What's up, beautiful beings? Welcome back to the show. It is so good to be back. I've taken a little hiatus given the circumstances in the world that are going on right now. And man, it's crazy out there. But sometimes you, you just have to take a step back. And lately I have halted what I have been putting out as to just sit back and listen. Just listen and and really educate myself on, you could say the matters at hand, but yeah, there's no doubt that we are going through a collective shift and perhaps a collective dark night of the soul. I think that there is a lot of healing that can be done through this, but um, we are delving into the shadow and a lot of the times that is what is needed for us to you know, become aware of which, which parts we need to heal. And, you know, like the body, no parts work by themselves. Like humanity, no parts work by themselves. We're all in this together. And, you know, we can say that, but um, we're starting to really experience that, you know, whether the, um, the pandemic or the uh, racial injustice that's going on. Um, there's no doubt that we can all feel the heaviness going on. And, uh, Yeah, so anyways, it's taken me a little while to put this episode out, but nonetheless, this episode is with the amazing Dr. Kelly Clow. He is probably one of the smartest people I know um, and someone that I always enjoy having conversation. I've been bugging him to do a podcast for a while, but uh, it wasn't the right time. So um, finally, we sat down and... um, recorded some great information and yeah i think you guys will really really enjoy this one as always leave me a review on itunes if you can it helps my podcast grow another announcement is that my podcast is going to be changing its name doing a little rebranding um we're going from evan flow radio to the mind body mentor podcast and that is just because I feel that that name is a little more focal um, for what this podcast is offering, um, though it will always have the spirit of Evan Flow Radio. And um, I appreciate you guys so much. Enjoy the show. Much love. Peace. All right. So I'm here with uh, Kelly Clow. He's a doctor of naturopathic medicine. Also a, an instructor at uh, SCNM, Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine, as well as SWEHA, which is Southwest Institute of Healing Arts, a school that I graduated from and was an instructor there as well. Um, it's a pleasure to sit down with you, brother. Great to be here. <laughs> I've, been, I've been looking forward to being able to sit down and have a conversation with you. It's been... It's been a little while since we've sat down. Usually we are um, meeting over some chess matches. That's right. And uh, I've noticed that you've kind of gone dark lately as far as... I haven't made a move. Chess. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a few I've weeks. Been wait- I've been waiting for you to make a move. I'm like, okay, what's going on with Kelly? Is it- Sometimes I need to take a break. It can be pretty taxing. It can be. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a lot on the mind. It is a lot on the mind. It's, it's probably the only game that I have on my phone. And it's funny because when I'm with my girlfriend, she's like, are you playing chess again? What are you doing? I get that too. Do you get that as well? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's usually right. I usually it's am usually playing chess. What? It's usually right, yeah. I'm, uh, it's such... And I notice this especially different from playing one-on-one with you in person than to playing over the phone. I mean, not only do we have a, uh, a tech barrier... But the amount of time in between making moves and where was my mind state at? What was my plan? Right. What strategy was I going for? It's such a, it's such a difference. It's, it's a lot to think about. Yeah. Sometimes it's tough to come back after you've been away from it for a little bit and remember what you were thinking about. But other times I feel like I come back to it and I see it differently. Mm. And now I know what, what to do and what the correct plan is. That's crazy. Yeah, there's definitely some, the perspective is helpful for me. And I felt like I was getting really deep into it. I was watching a lot of videos. I was doing a lot of the puzzles. We were playing our games. And I felt like I was a little, maybe too close. And I had to take a step back for a little bit. I'm definitely going to be back. And I just renewed my membership. 
So I'm locked in for another year, and I plan on making that move here soon. Right. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I don't think I've ever beat you, <laughs> but I uh, every time I play you, I learn so much. And um, from the little bit of in-person coaching that you've helped me through chess, I think I've gained tenfold playing all of my other friends and also just the applications as far as real life. Oh yeah. The delayed gratification, mm -hmm. the um, putting, setting up all my pieces uh, in a way that they potentiate each other. Yeah, exactly. Is there anything specific, is there any like specifics that you see with chess, like um, having an application in your day-to-day -day life? Well, one thing that, because you almost beat me recently. I almost, I had you. were you. so close. I was so close and I just made one mistake. Exactly. I mean, there was 50 or so moves where I was getting yeah. crushed and I didn't know how I was going to win. I was just hoping for a draw at that point. Yeah. But one of the phrases in chess is it takes a lot of good moves to win a game, but only one bad move to lose a game. And I think that's applicable too in life that there are certain, you can make a lot of little mistakes, but mm -hmm. some bad mistakes can really uh, be, you know, terrible. But if you do things consistently well, and you set yourself up, like you said, you set yourself up into good situations. You don't even have to know where it's heading, but you just create some activity. And that's one thing in chess that I think is really important is uh, I was reading a study about chess and what is most important in a chess game. And they looked at three factors. One was material, so the amount of pieces you have on the board. Number two was activity, so what are the pieces doing? And three was tempo. How many moves can you take at a certain time? Mm. And tempo and activity were the two most important things. Material was not as important. Wow. It does play a role. It, it factors in, of course, yeah. what you have. But what you have is not as important as how you use it. And a lot of times you can sacrifice pieces or you'll win with fewer pieces than your opponent. But your pieces are more active they're doing more, they're, they're, and you've, you put them on the back foot, so you've been making more moves and they've been responding to them, and so it's like you're having extra moves. So the tempo and the activity play a much bigger role. And I think that speaks to life too, because you have people that start with so little in some cases, but get so much out of it, and then you have the opposite. Some people that start with so much and don't get anything out of it. Mm. Yeah, the momentum aspect of it, and it's interesting how, yeah, it, all it takes is one bad choice. And for me, I call choice the human superpower because it's, it's literally the thing that dictates everything else in our life. Mm -hmm. Your choices are your patterns and your patterns, you know, create this, you know, it, your repeated patterns that you choose over and over and over are going to like spiral out into this mandala or the shape of your life right. in a way. But it's like the repeated choices and all it takes is one bad move. And then you're like, oh shit, okay, I, I don't think I can recover from this. But it, it, it allows you or it, it forces you to be present for each move that you're making in your life. Yeah. It forces you to be present in your life. And... I can look back at that move that I made and I made that move in passing when I wasn't fully present where I probably should have taken a break. Mm. I probably should have, you know, gone dark for a while, taken that break, um, you know, taken the time off and then came back to it with that new perspective perhaps. Right. Like not rushing it, not forcing it. Not rushing it, not forcing it. Now the thing is that you can make you can make inaccuracies and even some mistakes, but it's the blunders that are those are the ones that are catastrophic. And so the the small inaccuracies uh, they may not even be a bad thing. Sometimes they can work in your favor if they throw the other person off. Yeah. But the, yeah, the blunders if the other person sees them, uh, that's what can be disastrous for your game but what's good is that then you get to play another game and you get to learn from those mistakes mm. and then you apply what you learn to the next one so in that sense those mistakes even those blunders they're not a bad thing if you learn from them if you come back to it and you see what you did wrong and and what you can do better next time 
So that yeah, so that way net in the next game, if you see something similar, you learn from that previous mistake, and that way you can apply that knowledge to your next game. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, I love chess. We got to play again here. Soon. We do, and I really liked what you said about the instant gratification, because I noticed that when I, I see some of the grandmaster games, mm-hmm. is there would be times where there's a free piece just sitting there. They can take it. They can take that material very easily. Next move, but they'll wait. And especially if they know that they'll be able to take it eventually, they don't take it right away. They do other things to put themselves in better positions. And then only when it's the right time, which may not be for a few moves, only then do they take the piece Mm. where I would think I'm going to take it right away because that's a free piece. I don't want to miss this opportunity. But they know that the true power is in getting their other pieces into the game and into more forward positions and coordinated so that they're working together, that that piece, I can take that piece later, or I don't even need that piece. I'm going to focus on winning the game. I'm not going to focus on just gobbling up pieces, which is what I used to do when I started playing. I just yeah. gobbled pieces. And if I won, it was because I took the, all the other person's pieces. And I may have 10 pieces on the board and just crushing them, and they have just the king. But I knew I was getting better when I started winning with more pieces on the board where they still have most of their pieces, but they're not doing anything. Uh, wow. Yeah, that's got my mind. That's got my mind thinking. So is there anything, like, could you relate that to any position that you've been in in your life, like, recently? Is there any time where you've, you feel like you've, you know, you maybe could have harvested this fruit now, but you decided to continue to till the soil, you started to continue to water your plants, and then you know, waited and then you reaped the harvest. Yeah, definitely. I I think I might be in that place right now, Mm. but even in college, I, there was a, I started when I was in college, I was going for math stuff. I was a physics and economics double major. Oh wow. Nowhere near (laughs) medicine, had no interest in medicine, only started to get interested in health with my own health issues. And, And that's how I found it kind of through the back door, but I I had an opportunity to get into finance and it was going to pay pretty well. It was going to be, I was going to be making six figures pretty quickly, but it didn't feel right to just start. I mean, I could make the money in, in okay that would have had benefits, but I felt like I still needed to stick to the path. And since then I've, I've spent a lot more money on education and starting a business but I think that's been much more fruitful to cultivate what's inside because I think that the more you cultivate what's inside, then on the outside, stuff is going to come in, mm-hmm. right? If you have skills, if you have the energy, if you have the personality, whatever it is, if you have that aura, then success, you don't have to chase after it. It's going to come to you what you need. And I feel like that is what's starting to happen now because even these first few years in practice, I've been doing a lot of learning, been trying different things, um, been struggling with certain things, but also reflecting a lot and not forcing it to to push things out. Mm -hmm. And right now, actually, my focus is on creating just for the sense of creating and not worrying about what I'm going to do with it, if it's going to see the light of day. If I write something, if anyone's going to read it again, if I'm going to read it again, it doesn't matter. Right now, I just want to get into the mode of creating. And when I create something that's of value, then the people that need it will will find it. That's my take on it. So you're starting to create that tempo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm putting my, my pieces in the right positions. I don't know what they're going to do. And you spent years doing that. Yeah. You spent years accumulating the skills, the education... All of these things that were, man, probably extremely hard physically, extremely hard mentally. But now, you know, after all these years, you're finally starting to see the fruits of your labor or you're finally feeling like, okay, now it's time to expand. Yeah, I feel like I'm on the upswing now. And I before actually when I found this journey, I went from a really deep low Mm. Uh, which I've been in for a while. That was kind of my childhood. Are you okay to go in, going into that a little bit? Yeah, I, I, um, 
I had chronic depression from uh, a young age. I, I was brought to therapy for uh, for suicidal thoughts when I was, I think, eight years old, and um, I, depression was just what I knew. That was life. And even into college, I started to branch out a little bit, and uh, but I still felt empty, and, and there was a lack of fulfillment and a bit of helplessness. Like, well, what is this life? And I'm going through the motions. I'm I'm having more fun in college, but I'm still not happy. And that's what actually got me on this journey was I started to, I found a couple of self-help books in, in um, Barnes and Noble. And I got these two books and there were different books. One was about, it was feel the fear and do it anyway. And the other was the Da Vinci decoded. Mm. That one was, was the really fascinating one because it talked about Da Vinci and what he did and how it applies to life, like how he would draw things from multiple perspectives. And so it was about looking at things from different views. And there was all sorts of wisdom in there. And that branched out to other books, branched out to books about Qigong and eclectic ancient health stuff. And also as fascinating quantum physics. So I was reading that. And when I read all of that, it's a longer story, but basically over the course of the next year, I package it together for a, a project that I had to do to graduate. And I realized when I finished and I was coming up with the talking points to when, uh, the speech that I had to give about it, that's when I realized what it was all about. Because in the beginning, it was just this journey of what's life? What am I here for? And it feels good to learn about this. So let's just do it. And then it wasn't until the night before I was giving the speech that I finally realized what it was about. And it was a big part of it was about holistic medicine. And that's when I realized I have to go on this. This is the path I need to go on. And I thought, perfect, just in time, I'm graduating with degrees in physics and economics. So I have to start over now. Those are almost useless. They weren't because actually what I learned there, I've been able to apply to my life. But um, it was it was a, a change where now it's okay. I'm done with this moment in my life, with this chapter. And now I'm starting a new one. And it's this holistic thing. Hmm. So it was at that specific moment, that day before you were giving the speech is when you, when everything clicked, it all clicked. I had no idea before then. And that, that's another thing that tends to be my life. Um, I, I feel like I'm on a need to know basis with the universe. And apparently I'd never need to know because <laughs> <laughs> no, I just kind of float around and, and I'll, I, when I go inward, I can know what the immediate thing is like I know now I just need to write about stuff and I've been resistant to it because my brain is like yeah but what are you going to do about it are you going to put it out on Facebook yeah, how are you going to make money from it yeah you're going to pack it how are you going to sell it so, or something like that target market you know and that has been a huge resistance because I don't know those answers yet mm. and that's not something I'm particularly good at you don't know how you're going to win the chess game I don't know yeah exactly <laughs> I don't know what the final moves are going to be <laughs> like I know I want to checkmate you but I don't know what yeah. the combination is yet but I just know that if this knight is going to sit on this square, it's going to be a really annoying night for you. Yeah. And it could do some, <laughs> some real work for me. And so I'm just going to put it there and see what happens. Mm. So that, that's, yeah, it was really at that moment. And, but I knew the journey was right the whole time. It felt right. And that's the part where I'm coming back to that, tapping into it more fully uh, I never completely went away from it but mm -hmm. fully tapping into that and it takes a lot of faith and a lot of times not listening to other people because everyone's telling me oh you gotta first you gotta get this following and you gotta do this and that and how do you how do you define faith for you for me faith is trusting the inner knowing mm. or what feels like inner knowing I don't always know if it's accurate or not but I, I will say that when I follow my heart, my gut, it's, it tends to be accurate and I get to where I want to. So there's an internal response that you're feeling in the heart gut. Yeah. Something feels right. It's it. And for me, the experience is it lights up. I either feel lighter in, in weight. Uh, yeah, exactly. I just feel like a weight come off of me or when I picture it, it actually seems lighter in my vision. Like visually it seems lighter. It brightens up your life. Brightens up. Yeah. Something is brighter or lighter about it. And then, and 
And that's all I get though. So I don't know exactly why I should do it. Maybe it has nothing to do with career, but something about it feels light. And so that's, that's the thing to do. Are there any practices that you currently have in place that are helping you connect to that inner, that inner knowing or that inner faith? Yeah, big time. Uh, writing's a big one. Mm-hmm. And actually, even so, it's been tough for me to get back into the flow of writing. I never considered myself a writer. I was a math geek. That's, yeah, that's what I did. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Writing was, it was so subjective. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it I felt like was dependent on the person reading yeah. and how they viewed me. So if I was in a class and the teacher didn't like me, my English grades went down. But in math, if the teacher didn't like me, you can still get the right answer. Still getting hundreds. Yeah. yeah. Even if they don't like it, I'm still getting the grades that I want because there's a right answer and a wrong answer. So, and I just never felt like I was good at it because there was, there's a certain structure to math. And I think that's part of why I appreciate chess. There's a structure there. There are rules, there's boundaries, but there's also a tremendous amount of creativity. And that's one thing that I don't think is taught in math, but my father taught me a lot of math and it was all about creativity and finding a route to the solution rather than following some protocol. I want to come back to that. Let's continue. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I guess I always had that creativity, but I didn't know how to put it into writing. I just didn't think I was good at it. But for that project, when I decided I'm going to keep exploring these interesting topics that make me feel alive and fulfilled for the first time really in my life. And I'm going to write about them. And I told my academic advisor who had to, you know, check off the project idea and she wasn't a fan. She's like, Kelly, you're not a writer. You do math. You're a math person. You're great at that. Do that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Do the numbers. And I told her, I said, I tried. I was looking at different topics in physics and economics, and they just felt so wrong. They felt heavy and dark. And I said, I I don't know why, but I just know I have to do this. And to her credit, she said, okay, I trust you. You get to do what you want. Just know if you don't do well in this, you're not going to graduate. And it's going to be a lot of money wasted. And I said, that's fine. I, I feel like this is what I have to do. And what I learned was... While I don't necessarily think I'm a great writer or very talented, I do feel a connection to it. I feel like it Mm. it taps into something deep within me. And that's all that matters because there is no right or wrong with writing. Exactly. But you can tell the difference, I think, between when I start writing and when it's me just trying to get the get the wheels going, getting some momentum and I'm just warming up. It's a little clanky. And even while I'm writing it, I have to take a break. I'll stand up, I'll walk around. What am I trying to say here? But it's usually like after two paragraphs or three paragraphs, something happens. I get into a flow and it doesn't feel like it's coming from my brain. It feels like it's just flowing through me and I'm just typing away. And that's when I start to, I feel like I get messages And if I'm writing about something I need insight into, I'll start talking about the problem and and it it feels a lot of ego based. But then all of a sudden, and and sometimes I even change the frame where I go from I to you, almost like I'm talking to myself or something's talking to me. And things will come out that feel right, but I wouldn't necessarily have accessed on my own, maybe through meditation. But it comes out so effortlessly. And by the end of it, I feel clarity and I feel more peace and more grounded. And one of the phrases that I used to say was I write to write myself. So I write W story. Yeah. Well, W R I T E. I write to write R I G H T like write the direction. Cause if I feel scattered by the time I'm done writing, I feel much more clear on at least what's the immediate direction you write to align yourself. Exactly. Yeah, I like the wordplay of the, the yeah, right, to, right write. to write. Yeah, I, I, I get it, but just to clarify. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. Is there, do you, like, do you do that every day or do you sit down at a certain time or like, how do you get in your writing flow? I used to do that. So that was, that was me when I was really in the zone before I got to this stage of the journey where I came out to Arizona to go to medical school. Um, I was really good with the routine. I loved writing at night. Hmm. 
writing at night to reflect on the day, not too much into cataloging the day, but reflecting on certain experiences or feelings, processing what happened, and also setting course for the next day or for the future. That was really good. It was really relaxing, and I felt like it also got me into out of my my brain and more into a spiritual space, which seemed like a good space to go to sleep in. Um, now I'm I'm working on getting that routine back, and that's something that is. It's funny that you contacted me now because I'm like just getting out of this and like into the upswing. And so that's like talking about it now. Now I feel even more motivated to set a good uh, morning and night routine. Um, I've been adding more elements, but I really want to get it firmer and have a, a clearer routine. But what I've been doing now, because I had, I was really struggling with motivation to write, um, a lot of resistance. Like how long ago? For the past few years, okay, okay. <laughs> up until like uh, two weeks ago. It's <laughs> the synchronicity. Yeah, the timing is <laughs> impeccable. And what, what I've noticed, because a lot of it was based on doubt and what we we're talking about. What am I going to do with it? Why am I going to write about something when I should focus on business or career or marketing or whatever, right? Why, why am I going to, why would I focus on self-reflection and self-growth? when I can grow my business. Yeah, <laughs> obviously, I should be focusing on self-growth. But the, the resistance was there, and the resistance was real. And it's, it's tough to break through those resistances sometimes. And I, when I was a kid, I felt like I could always push through. But that wasn't working this time. And I, I feel like I, I had to learn a lesson where I couldn't just force it like I did when I was younger. Hmm. I, I had to find uh, a a more balanced, a more harmonic way or harmonious way. And what's been really working for me since I got a camera to just put myself in a position because I know I want to record videos, so I might as well get the stuff and just play around. Yeah. And so one of the things I've been doing is just setting it up and just talking to the camera. And what I noticed was doing that with no pressure of what's going to happen, just talking to the camera, that motivates me in a similar way to writing where I feel I, I, things come out not quite as well as when I'm writing, but that actually motivated me to write. And I would talk about it and then I'd, oh, let me sit down and write about it now. And so that was a perfect segue because sometimes we need to, we need to start the fire before we can start cooking. And I want to just start cooking, but the fire's not on yet. And so how do you get that fire going? Recording helped. It could be exercise. It could be talking to someone, a friend that motivates you. It could be reading an inspirational book or quote. It could be all sorts of things. It could be starting a podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it could be agreeing to sit down with you to do a podcast, which we had yeah. talked about for a bit. And I was resistant to that too at first. Mm. But I, I mentioned the resistance. I talked about it also when I, I set up the camera. And that helped get it moving because... Again, in the past, I would have just pushed through it and just barreled through that resistance, but it's not the most effective way. Sometimes you need that, but why do, you have, why do I have to just barrel through things? Yeah. I, I want to be able to, to navigate yeah, more you gracefully. Want, you want to be able to, um, you know, not just take all the pieces from the chessboard, you know, checkmate someone <laughs> yeah. in a very artistic way right. or a very creative way. Exactly. I don't need to just brute force everything. I want to be a little creative and, yeah, a little artistic about it. Absolutely. Yeah, it makes me think of, I think I heard a quote, because I'm not necessarily a writer at all. Um, my girlfriend's a writer. I'm surrounded by these great writers, and I, that's a practice that I want to, you know, start myself. And I actually have been writing a little bit more through the past weeks. Um, since I've started this podcast, I've actually been able to take out specific themes that I'm seeing with each person. Mm -hmm. And now I have this motivation or this spark to write about these certain things that I'm, that I'm seeing different inspirational people that I'm talking with. Um, and now I can kind of use that as an integration platform, um, for these different things. But something that I've heard is like, I, a quote I don't know who it's from, but it's like, I sit down every morning at my desk to write at 6 a.m. so that when the muse wants to come through, it knows I'm there. Yeah. And I probably butchered that, but... I know the quote you're talking about. Yeah, I don't know yeah. the way it goes, but that sounds pretty accurate. But you, 
you sit down every, you know, you have that routine in place. That way when spirit or when whatever wants to come through you knows where to find you. Mm -hmm. Is there anything specific? Is there any shift that you notice? Like when you go from trying to force your writing to like when, when you feel like that, um, that inspiration or that collective thought energy or that spirit or whatever you want to want to call it, come through you. Is there any shift or is there anything specific that you can? Yeah. Well, if I force it too much and if I do it from the, I would say the wrong perspective where I'm trying to force something out of it rather than just doing it as an exercise. And like you said, you do it for the inspiration when it's ready, but you're not doing it with the expectation that it's going to come out. So when I have too much of an expectation of what is this going to be when I'm done with it, a lot of times I don't even start. I don't even want to. I have no motivation because I don't know what it's going to be. So if I have that that mindset going into it, it's either I'll probably only write for a few minutes and then just get distracted and walk away or I'm just not going to sit down. Um, but when I go in with the intent that, yeah, I'm just I'm just setting I'm setting up an energy and I'm creating a space where that things can happen and I'm just going to let them happen and it might be nothing and that's okay. But more often than not, something comes through and I do feel a certain shift. It's like, I think it's like getting in the zone. It's getting into the flow state. Yeah. You get into the flow state. That's exactly what it is. Things slow down. My body feels different. My, my breathing changes and even my fingers just start, if I'm typing, they just get, they flow a lot better. And if I'm writing, my handwriting changes. Wow. Yeah. I notice that. Yeah. My handwriting will be different. It's, it's still my handwriting to a degree. It's not like someone else's, but there, it's, it flows more. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I wanted to expand a little bit more on that, but maybe we can we can kind of shift gears from that. So writing has been a huge thing for you as far as connection, connecting to self, and like ways to channel your creativity. Oh yeah, I remember where I was gonna go. So um, as far as like expectation is something that robs so much creativity. Yeah. And I noticed that even with like relationships with even putting my stuff out there. If I, if I like I'm mean, moving from a place of expectation, it usually comes through whatever medium I'm using, whether it's video, whether it's social media, whether it's marketing, anything along that line. It's like, how do we, how do we get to a place of like not having those expectations of yourself? Yeah. Because you have you have intention and expectation. Intention is good. Yeah. Right. Intention. Let's you're setting define, the course. Let's define both of those. Right? Yeah. Well, well. So here's how I would define it. Here's okay, how I look yeah, at it. Yeah. Intention is you're setting your sights on something. You're setting a goal. You're you maybe picturing or writing or talking about the way you want things to work out. Mm-hmm. And expectation to me is is more of you already think it's there or. In some ways, it could be even taking it for granted. Now, when I set an intention, when I feel like I set an intention, but I'm not having an expectation, I set the intention, but I know that it may not look exactly the way I thought it was, but I'm going to get what I need. And I know that whatever I'm putting out there, I'm going to be getting back. And so it, it's, I know I'm part of that process. It's just a circular process, and, and I'm right in the middle of it. With the expectation, it's it's more concrete and it's almost more fatalistic. I think it's almost like scarcity mindset. Yeah. Or like, you're like, you're trying to grab a hold of something. You're like, I want uh-huh. things to be this way. And right. the universe doesn't work like that. Yeah. You're grasping <laughs> at something and you want that thing so badly. And if you don't get it now, you're disappointed uh-huh. versus the intention where you, you, you put it out there. Yeah. But if you're open to whatever comes back, then you don't have that expectation. Then you can appreciate what you do get and find the good and, and what comes back to you. Because I, I think a lot of times 
with that expectation. The expectation is if you don't, if it's not packaged the way that you wanted, you may think that you didn't get what you wanted. Mm. But sometimes you just open up that package and you, you look inside of it and you realize, no, that's, that's exactly what I wanted. Or that's what I needed. And, um, and so the expectation could be, it, it can rob you of, of realizing that you actually got what you wanted. It just didn't look the way that you expected it. Mm. Yeah. It complete, completely robs you of the, the joy or the, um, the gift of what you, and you might even receive something better than what your so-called expectation was. Right. <laughs> yeah. But in, and like you said, the gratitude is a big part of it as well, mm-hmm. because if you, if you expect it in a way where you take it for granted, then even if you get it, how much you're really appreciating it. And, and that's, that's, you're robbing yourself right there Mm. because you can have the best life in the world. But if you don't see it that way, you're not going to feel it. And that's one of the the good things about, you know, coming out of this because I've been in a bit of a lull here and I feel myself coming out and I'm really happy that I'm going to get to appreciate life even more than before when things were, you know, really good. And I was on, you know, previous upswing Mm. life was great, but I couldn't appreciate as much then as I can now because I've seen new depths, new downs, new lows. And it's the lows that help you appreciate, appreciate the highs. Because yeah. now you know what it's like to not have things or, or to... Uh, and sometimes you get clear on what, what you really want in your life to make it better. And then when you get it, that, that actualization of something that you wanted and it's, it's here now, it makes it so much better to appreciate it and life is going to continue to ebb and flow and we go through so many cycles through our lives you know seasons or hero's journeys or whatever you want to whatever you want to call it so it sounds as if you know we go through little hero's journeys from a day-to-day thing or we go through bigger ones like going through naturopathic medicine school or graduating from school and now you're out on your own and taking this leap, it seems like you're coming full circle as far as, you know, taking, taking another leap in what direction do you see yourself expanding or in what is, is there anything you don't have to say specifics as far as like expectations or anything, but do you feel, do you feel yourself expanding in a certain intention? Inward. Inward. Yeah. Expanding inward. That's what I need to do. That that's that's the journey right now. And then when I do that, then I'll I'll get clear on what the outward expression of that is going to be. And I, I do have ideas of what it's going to be, like the arena. I like teaching. I yeah. like public speaking. I like I love herbs yeah. and I like health. Yeah. I love chess. Mm-hmm. I can see myself doing all sorts of things. That's been one of the confusing things about starting like a YouTube channel. I have a whole bunch of random YouTube videos that I've created just yeah. to try things out. And what I've realized is I have so many different tastes. I'm not sure how to brand it or I don't know what niche to find. Like I would love to just do videos of doing puzzle rust for, uh, for chess. Yeah. Or I, I like, uh, th- there's these weird Sudoku variants, sandwich Sudoku, and there's a chess Sudoku. I think I sent you a text about that. Yeah. (laughs) I would record videos of just solving that and put that up, just random stuff. And so I I don't know exactly how that's going to look, but I have so many interests and it it does feel like the first, the first growth has to be inward before it can be outward. Cause I've been trying to grow outward and, and there's been blockages there. And it's because that really, what I need to do and what it, what it feels like is connecting and tapping in more to source, to my inner self, to my higher self, whatever you want to call it. And then once I'm in connection with that, in alignment with it, it'll just flow through me. Like when I get into that, that writing state and it'll just flow through me and I won't have to question. I'm just going to be doing it. And, And I think one element and what I really like about the writing, which is just one aspect of it, it's just the, the idea of creating. We are creative beings. I think we're here to just we create. Yeah. 
And if there's too much pressure and force to create, I think that that steals the essence of it. And I think when you create just what comes out of you, what's just in your heart, what's in your body, you just create without that pretense, without that force, that what needs to come out will. And that's what I'm practicing now when I'm working on is just tapping back into that because I was there before and now I'm coming back to it, just creating to create because once I'm, I'm really locked into that, then it's, it's going to happen more effortlessly and I won't have to force it. It'll feel, it'll be closer to my normal state. Yeah. The expansion will just be a byproduct of your ability to go inward and connect. Yeah. It's interesting because I find myself in a similar situation as far as having a ton of different interests and lots of things that I, I would like to do. And, um, I heard this term called the Da Vinci effect, Hmm. which is basically you, you know, you've gone down different rabbit holes in your life as far as like, you've gone down this naturopathic medicine or, I mean, that could be, you know, many, that's such a generalist. Oh, a lot of rabbit thing. holes There's in so there. So many rabbit holes in there, you know, so herbs and then, um, you know, chess or, or public speaking. So you take these rabbit holes as far down as you can and you see where they interconnect. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you find that play, that sweet spot where you can integrate them, yeah. that is like the Da Vinci effect where you're looking at things from different perspectives. Yeah. And the only way you can do that is going inward. Yeah. You have to see it through. It, it, it's, and that's where, if you have an expectation, that there's no way to expect how they're going to connect. It, it's just, it's going to be some complex, nonlinear, unexpected thing. And uh, like, for example, I, I remember hearing a story about Steve Jobs when he he dropped out of school, but he audited a calligraphy class and there's no reason for it. He just did it. Well, ended up being used it for fonts when he was setting the, the typeface. Uh, and and so it, you never know how these things are going to meet back up uh, further along down the road. One of the rabbit holes I was going down was drawing. Mm. And I just was, I took a drawing class at MCC and then I got a drawing book and and I practiced drawing and it was fascinating getting into human figures too. It helped me see people differently. Yeah. Just the human body differently and like a a bigger scale and a more geometric scale. But I don't know, maybe, maybe that's just a fun creative outlet I have now. Or maybe I'm going to use it for something and it may be something that may be part of my career or something that I develop and put out into the world. And I use those art skills that I, I developed because I just thought it would be cool to draw. I thought, well, why not? Let me just take some drawing classes. Sounds like fun. And I, I think a big part of it, and it's something that when I speak to the, the students at medical school, I always tell them to follow their, their creativity. It's not always passion because I think passion sometimes is there's too much pressure around that. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna burn out and it's gonna burn hot and it's gonna you know it's gonna, it fluctuates too much. For me, especially, I, I don't have a I one passion. I, I think you're right. I, you know, yeah. there's some people that seem to they knew from they were three years old and they knew what they wanted to do with their life and they're doing it. I wasn't like I that. Those yeah, I know. Sometimes I wish I was like that. Those are the people, they read the whole manual. They saw, they read the, yeah. the, the, the end of the book. And so they know where they're going. I don't know any of that. I'm just on for the ride. And so for me, it's really important for me to follow my curiosity. Whatever I'm curious about, I dig into it. So like in school, there was a period of time in second year when we're learning about pathology, but also the modalities, we started learning about herbs and I never thought I would be interested in herbs. And I just thought I want to buy a bunch of herbs and make some tinctures. And I made a cardiac tincture and a stress tincture and I gave it to my family for Christmas. But it was just this project that was interesting. I didn't know what was going to happen with it, but it was fun. And then I, I put it aside and I didn't do anything with it for years. But then I came back to it and it was probably maybe four or five years now that I came back to it. And now like I, I learned more actually in the time away things, I think wires were, were coming together. Neurons were lining up or something. And when I came back to it, it made sense in a different way. And, and so what I did then is really useful for now because I use herbs all the time. It's something I'm very passionate about. 
there was other things where like physical medicine, when we learned how to do chiropractic type adjustments, I was so fascinated by it and I, I practice it all the time. And I would drill and drill and drill. It's something I was very passionate. I, I wanted to learn it and get good at it. Uh, these days, I don't do it as much, but I have that, I that in my back pocket. Of, I think you're one of the first people that adjusted my neck, actually. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was profound. That was a <laughs> profound experience. It's, it's, um, it shows you the light, sometimes literally. It really does. Your eyes open and, up. And I didn't realize how non-symmetrical my structure was until that point. You know, I studied the, the muscular system for so long. And uh, it gave me, it, it brought so much light to understanding the structural system and that I delved into that mm, as well. Interesting. But yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off from there. Oh, when you feel the alignment though, that then you, when you're like, ooh, is that what it feels like? Then yeah. You, then you know what to, to go for. Then I know what to go for. Now, since then I've like made that a, a, a part of my physical practice is going and getting aligned. Awesome. Well. So just wanted to share that. Yeah. With you. Oh, cool. Well. Thanks. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so, you know, one of those rabbit holes that you delved down was, it, it helped one person, least, <laughs> which I'm sure it's helped many other people as well. Hey, if it's even just one person, that's enough for me. Absolutely. But in some of the, the curiosities, I don't know if they'll ever come around. Like yeah. if the, so we take our boards at the end of our two years, we, we take our didactic boards. So it's the classroom learning, basic sciences, and also disease. And then we do boards at the end, which is more of the clinical diagnosing treatment, that type of stuff. And I think it was between, it was three days. So it was three days worth of testing. It was like six hours, six hours, and three hours or something like that. It was crazy. It, it didn't take up the whole time, but still exhausting. And I think it was between the first and the second day, I, I saw this video on octopi, or I like read an article about how you can like, if they chop an arm off, they lose an arm, it'll still move around and find food because the, the arms kind of think for themselves. I'm like, well, that's fascinating. So I, I read another article and another article, and then I'm learning about cuttlefish and how they can change not only their color, but also their skin texture. So they can blend in with things, or, or there's something called the mimic octopus, where it can make itself look like coral or all sorts of different creatures. And I'm going, to, and it's hours. I'm up till like two or three in the morning. I have to wake up at seven <laughs> to go take my board exam so I can get my license. But I am just on cloud nine learning about these creatures, which are just fascinating. And to me, that was an important. That was an important action to take. You talked earlier about action and how we were decisions, choosing. We yeah. can choose what we do. And to me, I, I could choose to either go to bed or study for my exam because I have to do this to get my degree. Or I could follow that inner childlike curiosity that says, this is cool. Let's learn more about this. And I chose to follow the curiosity. And if this were to tie full circle into now, that's, that's what I'm I'm rekindling that with things like writing to or creating in general, drawing, just do things that are lighting up that, that inner, whatever that is, that inner energy, rather than trying to do what is sensible or right or what makes sense. I wouldn't recommend anyone do that, say up late, uh, learning about random sea creatures. But in that case, it just felt right. And I yeah. passed my board, so it was fine. <laughs> so you passed the test, so it's fine. I mean, you never know what's going to rekindle that fire. Exactly. You just have to, you have to trust that inner knowing or that, well, first of all, you have to spend time connecting mm -hmm. to that. And, and to do that, you have to go inward. Yeah. And in our culture, that's not even a practice that we, you know, maybe people listening to this podcast have a practice as yeah. far as that. Goes. It's it's growing, but yeah, it, it's something that we are taught to do what's right versus do what feels right. Do what's logically right. Yeah, exactly. May do what you feel can feel right. Exactly. May look right on on paper. Now, of course, I wouldn't. I, there's a time and a place, Absolutely. and I, I like to have both. I like to have some structure, but then some play. But allowing myself to play actually allows me to appreciate structure and then do the things that maybe, quote unquote, I should be doing. Yeah. Um, I do it more when I light that up. Well, I think, I think first of all, it's like you have to know where you're at on that scale to begin with. Mm -hmm. Whether you and, and you are a very structured person, I can just tell, you know, yeah, I, I think 
default setting comparatively to the normal human being, I would say you're probably pretty well structured. It helps me. I'm a Libra, so <laughs> I always seek balance, but I never quite find it. We and never I am, do, an, I am an air sign, yeah. So I, I will just float away if I don't have the yeah. structure. So it's something that I seek, but I'm not particularly good. I'm getting better as I get older, but it's that's a, that's part of my journey is finding the right structure that also doesn't constrict mm. the creativity and the freedom and the childlike energy out of me. How to do both? Yeah, it's interesting because. You know, as far as we're always seeking balance, the body's always mm -hmm. seeking balance, yeah. always, you know, physically, hormonally, energetically, whatever it is, but we never actually reach it. Never. Yeah. We never reach it. We're striving for it. Even nature, as far as plants goes, like the, the geometric structure of this plant is, is striving towards equilibrium, but mm -hmm. it never quite makes it. It's not a destination. Yeah. It's something that you might, you might hit or feel for, for moments. Yeah, you fluctuate through it. But you'll go through it, yeah, because like you said, we're like trees waving in the wind. So we'll feel those, and we have to ebb and flow, I think. Mm. Just like I think there, are, you have to have down lows in your life. And that was something that actually someone told me years ago, over a decade. And he was talking about how if you want to go up, you have to go down first. You have to go down in, into the depths if you want to reach new heights. And at the time, I didn't quite understand it, but it's something I was reflecting a lot over these years where I felt like I, I'm not where I want to be and I'm not, I, I know, I had some knowing of what I should be doing, but there was also those resistances and I, part of me was feeling a little doubt or like, am I off path? Am I making a mistake in life? But then I thought, well, I'm probably overthinking this and, and thinking it from the, the monkey mind sense of if I'm not constantly moving up, then I must be doing something wrong. And then I started thinking, well, maybe there's a lesson in this and I don't know what it is yet, but if I'm experience it, experiencing it, it must be something that I need to experience and that I can pull value out of. And, and I thought, well, when I do get that, when it's the time and when I've gotten what I need to out of this experience, then I'll be able to go up, but not to, I think it's important. And, and this is a reminder for myself, maybe more than anything to not judge myself when I'm in a lull mm. and to not feel like, Oh, I should be better. Like, Oh, I, I've meditated before. Why, why am I not meditating now? I know better. I know how it feels. What's wrong with me. Well, maybe there's just, there's something in there that I need to learn and experience. I don't think we're here to live perfect lives. And we need to get dirty sometimes. And so having that that appreciation, but also patience softness, patience, yeah. thank you. That was the word I was looking for. Yeah. To know that sometimes we need to go down and it's not it's not any attack against ourselves as as people or who we are. We it's just part of the journey. No matter who you are, no matter what your financial profile is, your you know, your Instagram following, what, whatever you have, you're mm -hmm. going to experience lulls in this life. Yeah. And in our culture, we we have this mindset that it's like when we're in those lows, like we need to get out of them right away. Yeah. And we need to, you know, we need to expand, we need to grow, we need to hustle, we need to just grind harder. And it's like that is that is the worst thing you could possibly do. For me it is, yeah. I think most. I think most, yeah, but I, I can say for me, definitely. And I notice even within myself when I'm in those places, I want to get out of them so fast, and and I'm like, why, why am I here? What do I need to learn from this? And and like, how do I figure out the next route of expansion instead of being in it, mm -hmm. feeling it, letting it move through me, and then it usually it runs its course itself. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think a lot of it's ego based. The ego, when the ego starts to create this picture of itself, yeah. like, oh, I'm this doctor. I started a business. <laughs> I'm helping patients. All this stuff, and and but then I'm in a rut. Oh my God, I shouldn't. How am I in a rut? I'm a doctor. I, I went to school for this. You're a human being. Exactly, but I'm a human being, and I, I'm on a spiritual journey. And, and, but that's the thing is I, I think it's also a caution that the, the more we do go up, especially in the world, 
right? Yeah. The, the more social media presence or whatever. Yeah. I think the harder it is to allow those downward lulls. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe more, it, it could be more perhaps embarrassing that, oh, now it's, I'm on, the spotlight's on me and, and I need to put forward this positive thing or whatever view, whatever picture I want people to see of me rather than just, I, I think that may be tough, but to stay humble and know that, hey, we're all going to go through roles and that's part of the process. And there's, it's nothing wrong with it if you, like you said, if you just kind of honor it and sit in it and you learn from it, it may last a long time. It doesn't mean it's going to move right away. It usually moves faster, but it might last years. Like I feel like the one I was just, I'm just coming out of, but that's part of, if it lasts years, it lasts years. Maybe it's just had to, that's part of the journey. Uh, but I will say with certain things, when I'm really resistant, the best thing for me is not forcing it but is saying, okay, let me just lie down, turn everything off, maybe put on some music, just lie down and breathe and not even think about it, but just breathe and just rest, center myself. And then a lot of times uh, in a few minutes or or whatever, I feel motivation to do it. And now I feel ready. So I don't have to force it. Yeah, I think the the great Carl Jung quote is, a tree can only grow as tall as its roots can grow deep. Mm, That's a good one. (laughs) We all got to experience those lows. Um, We're getting close to an hour here, but I got a couple other questions for you. Um, Yeah, I mean, what what lately have you found yourself curious in learning perhaps, or like, is there any other modalities that you're finding yourself interested, whether it's medically or, or it could just be anything you're curious about? I mean, you said writing, I know that's a huge one as well. Um, well with herbs, herbs are constant evolution of knowledge and trying new things. Absolutely. This year, actually my allergies were, the best they've been. Mm. And I credit that to some herbal breakthroughs. Ginger is such a good herb for me. And what, what happened was the past few years and trying to treat these allergies from a Eastern perspective, I think I had the diagnosis wrong, it seems like. And so if you have the wrong picture of what's happening, yeah, if you have the wrong assessment, <laughs> yeah. you, don't know where, you don't know where to go. Yeah. Good luck with the treatment. If yeah. you, maybe you'll get lucky, but otherwise it's yeah. not going to work as well. And so I I think I finally tapped into what the right diagnosis was, what the right source was, which is the most difficult thing to to connect to, I think. And that helped tremendously. So ginger was a good one for me. Ginger and and hibiscus, great combo. So playing around with that. And also, this is, and maybe you can help me with this. I want to put, get more licorice in my life. It's, It's cooling and moistening which is especially good for arizona this type of year because it's hot and dry so energetically herbs have energetics they can be hot Mm. neutral or cold they can be dry they can be moistening there are some other energetics and, and that's not only in chinese medicine but also ayurveda they have similar energetics like that so that that's what i'm fascinated in that the herbs also have mechanisms like more western mechanisms it lowers this inflammatory product or binds to this receptor right which is also good but i like to know both but i'm really fascinated by the energetics because i i'd like to think more more in themes and patterns Uh, so i do think i need more licorice in my life but i hate the taste so I'm looking for, I've been trying different recipes in combining licorice with like ginger or peppermint to see if I can add some ginger and not have it overpower the entire drink and uh, the entire tea and not want to drink it. So I'm working on that one right now. So I, I'm pretty passionate about finding new recipes of herbs that go together, not only with the therapeutics, but the flavors, because I do feel like the flavors add to the energetics and therefore uh, have a a large role in the therapeutics as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't really, I don't really use a lot of licorice as far as myself, but there is a a tea blend from, I can't, I can't think of the name. Um, I think it says like 
traditional Chinese medicine on it. I think it's at Sprouts. Okay. There is a, a tea blend, but it's called Throat Coat. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And it has a there is a like a licorice blend. I've had that one. And it anytime I'm feeling any like allergies or anything going on with my throat, I drink that and it's been Oh, it's, it's so amazing. soothing and coating. It's so a greater coating. It, it is throat coat. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so as far as herbs, have you, you know, I know we're just coming out of quarantine and the whole coronavirus thing. Is there any like specific herbs or anything that you've been taking to like, like any antiviral herbs? Or Drinking them right now. Yeah. So the, the ones, my main recipe, there's so many different herbs you can take. Yeah, absolutely. What I've been focusing on for my daily tea is mainly for prevention and just keeping health. The immune system is keeping it. Yeah, just keeping it healthy. If it's operating well, then I I feel like I'm doing the best I can. Yeah. Ginger's part of that. Hibiscus is just good for me. It also with the antioxidants. So with immune support, antioxidants are great. Um, anything that's going to directly support the immune cells or can have direct action on either virus particles or bacterium. Mm-hmm. Um, so ginger and hibiscus, those go together well. Sometimes I'll throw in a little cinnamon and clove, which mm-hmm. can help. And lemon balm is one I've been throwing in, particularly since it has antiviral effects on respiratory stuff. And so I'm basically using things that are either generally good or good for viruses in general, because mm-hmm. obviously I don't know what herbs are going to help with COVID-19. We don't have yeah. those studies. <laughs> so we just have to work based off of what you have. Lemon balm is one. Green tea, using green tea for the antioxidants, just for the overall health benefits. Amazing. And I have taken some, my two go-tos for the flu season are fire cider and elderberry syrup. Those are amazing. Yeah, they're, they're incredible. Do you make your own fire cider? I usually buy it. Usually buy it. If I make it, I don't really do the where you put it in and you let it I've sit made for a some, while. I've, made, or I've I've tried some fire cider at a few friends' house, and they're usually, you know, set my whole digestive system on fire. It could be, yeah. And I tend to run hot. I I, I imagine I'm you're pretty pitta. Yeah, yeah, I'm extremely pitta. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm sweating right now. What I do? I, oh, I'm yeah. This <laughs> this shit is ruined. Um, uh, <laughs> I think that's because the AC is off. Um, but. Um, so what I'll do with that, because I'm the same way, I'll take the apple cider vinegar and then I'll take some elderberry syrup on top oh, to coat. Elderberry is extremely cooling. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's the thing that I had to learn about these herbs like ginger and that I've really put into practice this year. I'm a very hot person. I'm like a furnace. I just burn heat. Mm-hmm. But if I feel cold or if I feel like internal chill, I know I'm getting sick if I don't raise that heat right away. So that's a problem for me when, when I feel an internal cold. Not necessarily if I'm cold from the outside, but if I feel an internal chill. And ginger has been my go-to to just boost that. Once I get the heat back up, then I feel better. And I think I'm staving off potential sicknesses like colds or flus. Mm-hmm. Could never know for sure, but that's what it feels like. What I found is that it's really about the balance. And just because you're, you're a hot person doesn't mean that hot herbs are bad. But you just have to have them in combination and in balance with other stuff. Mm. And I learned that from Chinese medicine formulas. There's so much wisdom in, in traditional Chinese medicine. They it, understand the elements so well. Yeah, it got me out of my, my Western brain because I used to think more is better and just... When we're learning about the pulses, I'm like, what's the best pulse? What's the most healthy pulse? There's no such thing. You just have a pulse that's out of balance in certain ways or in balance in certain yeah. ways. There's no, like, this pulse is the best pulse ever. It doesn't exist. Yeah, there's no one pill that's going to fix everybody's issues. Exactly. <laughs> and, so, and so everything's about balance. And even in, like, a cooling formulation, they have to put in a hot herb because the hot herb will move it. If it's all cold, it's going to be stagnant and it's not going to move. Um, you know, it's, you can put the whole fire out. If someone's hot and you put something too cold, you just put the fire out. So that hot will move it. And if you have something hot, you also need some substance to put it in with it. Otherwise, it's like, it's like heating an empty pan. Yeah. It, it's just once you put something in there, it's just going to steam up. So you got to put a little bit of, that's the yin, you got to put some water in the pan first and then you start to heat it up. And so the interplay of the yin and the yang, where even if you're looking to support the yang, you need to also put in some yin, which is the opposite. 
And, and so that's what I've been learning. That's kind of been, I guess, something that, especially recently, has been something I've been experiencing more and practicing and seeing the fruits of how to use these hot herbs, but in balance with other cooling herbs. And you're, you're creating these blends by yourself as well, too. Oh, that's the, yeah, that's yeah. the fun. Just that's, use my French press and... An alchemist. Oh, yeah, it feels that way. I feel like just a, uh, some like a witch with my cauldron. Because like, I'll make some geese. I, uh, I like to make capsules, herbal capsules. Amazing. I made a nettles, alfalfa, some horsetail... And uh, something else I can't think of. Do you ever do any harvesting, like around Arizona at all? I haven't gone down that rabbit hole, That's but as you rabbit. say it, I, it feels like a rabbit hole I will explore at some point. Yeah, I can see that for you. If you're interested <laughs> in that, it's another thing like going out and finding them in nature, connecting to them. Absolutely. And then, you know, taking them home with you and that whole process as well is, is very special. I, think I don't you, do it a ton, but it, the times that I have done it, the connection that I develop with that herb, even before ingesting it, is it's pretty mind blowing. I believe it, and I feel like when it's when it is my time, I'm that's going to happen. I, I do think that there's levels to it, and oh, like you, yeah. you crawl before you walk, and and everyone has certain things that they have to do in a certain order. So that's another element of not forcing yourself to be. Yeah. You know, if I were to bring a message to this, but not forcing yourself to be the full package right away. Yeah. And, and that's, that ties into with the herb thing. We're learning just about a couple systems and learning tinctures, but then not going away from it for a while and then exploring something else and then something else and something else. That's my way. Some people like to just fully dig in and see where this rabbit hole goes to completion. Mm-hmm. I just dabble and sometimes I will dabble a lot or sometimes a little here, a little there. Yeah. But in the end, it can all fit together. I, I, I would say that that is the path of balance. You know, that's, the, that's more of the middle path. Anytime, it's definitely a Libra path. It's an air sign path for sure. <laughs> it's a Libra path. But it's, it's also, you know, the body likes equilibrium. The body likes balance. Yeah. Anytime you're, you're moving too far in either extreme or you're going too far in one direction or you're specializing in one movement you're going to see repetitive stress injury. You're going to see some sort of imbalance. And um, Kelly, it was a pleasure dropping in with you. Totally. This was great. Thank you for all your wisdom. Thank you for joining me. And uh, I can't wait to do this again soon. Yeah, we should do it again. It's my pleasure. Um, It's good to hang out with you and talk to you. This is basically like our other conversations over chess. Absolutely. I was like, we just just need to record our conversations. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Usually they're incredibly in-depth, and uh, we'll do this again soon. Totally. All right.